1: Oh, hi, Mark.
2: Welcome and welcome back to Saturday Suckage. We now go to the Alpamonte Ford hotline. Alpamonte Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. And we choose Mark Grody, that inimitable walk-up music. Oh, we have a discussion about walk-up music later on with David Schuster. David Schuster's here. He's in for Matt Spiegel. He's in for Mike Esposito. He's in for Mark Grody. Now Mark Grody's in. It's not his show. It used to be his show. Now he's on this show. And he needs new sunglasses. So (laughs) can we discuss the sunglass kerfuffle first? Since that seemed to be the most important thing coming out of Thursday's practice game. Sure, please okay. go right ahead. So away. Why were you wearing what you were wearing, and when can you get new ones?
0: <laughs>
2: they made the they made a Twitter thing that Spilka's even retweeted and said I you can expense some. I They're know. like blue handles and black frames or black. It was something you'd buy at a at a
3: dollar store. Yeah, or maybe half dollar store. No,
2: you'd you'd buy it like a. Um, <clears throat> A Shell station. When you walked in when you bought a couple of the taco roll, a t- couple of hot dogs on the rollers. So <laughs> they'd,
4: be ne- they'd be neon if it was a Shell station. But actually, you guys are both wrong. They were free sunglasses. <laughs> and check it out, check it out. Re- <laughs> I'm checking it out. Get, get ready to feel really guilty about yourselves. Those were six seven to the score sunglasses, of course guys. They were have a little pride. In in where you work, in the free giveaways that exist at six seventy the score, and all the work that our marketing people do to get us all sunglassed. Um, So yeah, that's here's the story though. The real story is, I am I feel like a lot of Americans, I am not capable of not losing sunglasses. I've had the the sweet Ray Bans, Mm -hmm. and I. Lost them, which broke my heart. I had them for I think I, I think I held on to because if you get a case for something, usually you're, it's it's easier to to not lose it. Like it it comes with it. I had those. Were I had those the Tom Cruise Ray Bands you had? Yeah, they were. They were. That's what. looked Well, why best didn't at you me.
2: try the Saturday Night Live Superfans Aviator Glasses? Oh, I've done.
4: <laughs> hey, man, I used to have Blue Blockers. <laughs> <laughs> Remember blue blockers? Yeah, I do remember I had blue blockers. Blue block, the yellow tint. Yeah. I had blue blockers. But anyway, I had these sweet rape right, and I lost them. So I was like, that's it.
2: I, I'm going the cheap route. I'm, I'm buying white hen sunglasses. Well, no,
4: I did. I did buy some white hen. I get you them know, with Walgreens, whatever, off the rack. And then <laughs> and then those, those cracked recently because that's what happens The cheap sunglasses. They crack. And then I just said, to hell with it. I'm going to just start wearing these sweet. Uh, blue and black free score sunglasses. And I even asked Jared Payton before we went on on WGN-TV, I said, is it, I mean, So no, that was
2: CLTV Sports Was it TV.
4: CLTV? I don't know. I was holding a, a Channel 9 microphone, so I don't know where I was, yes. actually. I didn't, I have not seen the visual. Because you were in sunglasses heaven. Yeah, and I, I asked JP, I said, can I wear this? He's like, whatever you feel like, man. It's like Joe Madden. Hey, man, if it feels sexy, you be, it. You be you, yeah. You be, You're yeah just and Matt being... Nagy
3: says be you. So I was, you know what? I was out there being me. I wasn't trying to impress anybody. And, Mark, I got to say, I'm very proud of you because as a fellow reporter, anybody who gets free stuff is great in my book. So you got some free stuff, so that's you should right. be proud of if yourself. It's,
2: if it's free, it's me. I'll take three. That's, that's not, our motto. Not just
4: get free stuff, but actually put it to practical use. You know, like make it a in a, a very important sure. part of my my mark, wardrobe. That mark, night. mark
2: the meme. Yeah, yeah. that's it. You uh, guys want to get serious? Yeah. Here, or well,
3: what? after I read this promo, sure. uh, this hour is brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call one eight seven seven Cars for Kids. I was in attendance the other night, as were you, Mark. You uh, had a, probably a better view of. All the non-action, I'll just say. Um, I was up in the press box. But after the game, Matt Nagy, and I'm going to ask you, was he truly serious in your mind if he said, hey, if Mitch Trubisky doesn't throw a pass at all in the whole preseason, I'm okay with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he's serious. He's <laughs> <said.
4: Yeah. laughs> we don't know for sure if that's the case. He, For whatever reason, even though it's the preseason and nobody cares, coaches still like to keep those things close to the vest. Like mm-hmm. today, for example, Anthony Miller tweaked his foot, did something to his foot where he had to leave practice early. It doesn't appear to be a big deal, at least that's the early indication. And Uh-oh. and Nagy said, basically, I think his quote was, I couldn't care less about the preseason. He actually said that, which tells you everything you need to know about his philosophy when it comes to playing important players or guys not necessarily trying to make the roster during the preseason. So I do wonder, I, honestly, I was surprised that Trubisky was even out there in that first series, Uh, albeit just handing the ball off three times to Mike Davis. But I didn't – Fully had expected that Chase Daniel was going to be the starter and that Tyler Bray would play the majority of the game, but uh, the fact that he was out there was surprising. So you never really quite know what Matt Nagy has up his sleeve. I think he kind of likes that to be able to wink at us a little bit when he does this kind of stuff. But I mean, we know his philosophy, and his philosophy basically worked last year.
3: Doesn't ha- hasn't Trubisky handed the ball off enough to uh, in Bourbonnais <laughs> to Mike Davis to know that they're <laughs> able to do that? I mean, I, that was peculiar. I'll just say that.
4: Uh, well, I mean, I guess it's it's a different feel because it's an actual game against a different team an actual Mm -hmm. game. You know what I mean? You know, different uniform. You're at soldier field just to maybe get just a little, I mean, it's not like Trubisky has been around for 10 years, you know? So just to get a small feel for, the offensive line, and you know, Mike Davis is new, so I don't know. Maybe I'm just making stuff up right now. <laughs> you are, but uh, I think
2: but, a game day. I think for players, some players, the game day routine going through that actual get up, got out of bed, drag a comb across your head. But the whole good. idea of of going through that game day routine. Uh, everything except the Toradol shot, I guess, and getting dressed and getting out on the field and going through all of that with the uh, shoulder big boy shoulder pads on and playing big boy American football. Well, I think that's so. part of it for three plays, and then well, you're good. We we're not lo- allowing you on the he's field. He's in midseason form, handing the ball off to Mike Davis. No, he's upward, upward. Is he in midseason form? What did he do? And let's we'll get to the, we'll pay off the tease about Montgomery later, but the the Twitter tease you offered, but now yes. was did Mitch suck or was Mitch great in practice since games don't matter? What did he look like today in sold out Bourbon A? Mitch
4: was I would put Mitch down as okay today. I no, saw so it was him Jay Cutler. Yeah, I saw him hit Allen Alan Robinson for a, a touchdown pass deep in the end zone, kind of a nice go-up-and-get-it play. He has been, though, like, and he did this a couple times today on deep routes, uh, not intercepted, but there were overthrows. So I don't know if you prefer the overthrow or the underthrow. In your bad throw repertoire, but there was a couple of overthrows today for Mitch Trubisky, so I'll just put him down as just just okay, and maybe that just goes along with his entire bourbon A, that he has been, I don't know what word you prefer, inconsistent or just average. Probably, like, it it would appear that he has had, for whatever reason, whether you believe it's because of the Bears' defense or it's just Mitch still getting comfortable with his receivers and in this offense, he's been average, and he was average again today. That
2: sucks, but then again, this is <laughs> no.
4: I said average. Saturday, not sucks. Saturday
2: that sucks. You can no. He can't afford to be average. He cannot afford to be average. No, you know. What, so I don't right, want this to carry on. And ultimately, this could be different if they're playing against a worse defense. And there's a good chance that every other defense in the NFL will be worse.
4: Essential competency for Mitchell Trubisky this year is to be very good. You know what I mean? Like that's a minimal competency. He's, he has to be very good. I
2: mean, considering essential
4: competency. You like that? That sounds like a bandit lala. Ooh, it does. Yeah. They might have been on one of the small stages. He's actually. Mark
2: Grody, I'm Steve Rosenbloom, and this is David Schuster over here. Yeah, and we're on Saturday. But no, suckers. you're right.
4: You're right, man. I mean, like he, considering where he's drafted, considering the the way this offense is built, that it is built around a quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is, we are not living in the, you know, Walter Payton is not walking through that door. That's not the the type of offense that is run these days. It is about the man passing the football. And considering where, where he was drafted and all of that, and all the the weapons that they have supplied him. I agree with you. Yes, Trubisky has to be to be very good, and you can't keep – I think the defense is going to be really good again this year, and maybe we'll even get to use the word elite again. But even you know, at the very beginning of A, somebody said it on the offense that they can't keep on depending on the, the defense to bail them out. And the defense bailed the Bears' offense out a lot. They're, they're nowhere close to 12-4 and four last year without what the defense did. So they, the offense needs to catch up to some degree. It doesn't have to be at the exact same level as the defense. But I think that it's got to be very good this year.
2: The bigger question is I, I think the defense can be just as good in certain numbers. The, the toughest number, I think, to match will be the 36 takeaways yes. and the number that he turned into touchdowns. And we saw that with Khalil Mack. just He was like a, playing his own video game against Aaron Rodgers in the, in the first half anyways. And then everybody got tired and went to sleep, and the Packers waxed him in the second half. But that's the toughest number, and I don't know what you think of that, matching that number, and how do they remain great while not reaching that number?
4: Yeah, 36 takeaways, mm-hmm. a couple of them pick sixes, obviously. Um, I, I agree. I think that there is a degree of luck that exists in in interceptions and in turnovers. We, we know when it's forced, and we know when a guy is just getting an absolute gift, and I bet you, you could probably look at about half of those takeaways, and probably half of them were gifts. I mean, there is something to be said, too, of, of these players being in the right place at the right time, so we'll give them some of that credit. Uh, But, yeah, no, you can't depend on that. They had 50 sacks last year as well. I mean, there was a lot of things that went exactly right for the defense. You also weren't going up against a whole lot of sturdy offenses last year because of the schedule that you played. Um, you know, but I, you also look at this team and I think that it, there is some, I always like to use the word legitimacy. Like there's not a lot of guys that were pro bowlers or all pros last year where, except for maybe a couple of guys on the offense that were alternates on the, on the pro bowl where you look at it and say, well, that's just a fluke year. That's a career year. That's never going to happen again. You know, I, I, think that like what Eddie Jackson did was pretty legitimate. I think that somebody like Roquan Smith, who was not a Pro Bowler last year, is a guy that that has star power. That he's that he's on the rise. And I guess that's my bigger point: is that even though you had guys last year, like with the seven interceptions by Kyle Fuller, the six by Eddie Jackson, uh, twelve and a half sacks for Khalil Mack, the the twelve tackles for loss for Akeem Hicks, you got all those guys. There, there could be some guys that are on the rise this year that, that step up and do even more like Roquan Smith, you know, to where you see him start to power through and do even more. Maybe Roy Robertson-Harris becomes uh, better
3: than he was last year. So there's still more to come, I think, on this defense than even just with the elite players. Hey, Mark, uh, uh, talking about running backs now, uh, obviously we saw Mike Davison that now famed three handoffs the other night. Uh, we didn't see... Tari- You're didn't- making it famous yourself, David. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking it up. Uh, Tariq Cohn, we didn't see. David Montgomery was impressive, albeit in the first very preseason game, which, you know, everybody's going to forget about real quickly. But the, my question is, does it even make a difference? But who's going to be your starting running back? I think it's probably... I think that
4: I know that they what they want to have is David Montgomery being your, your mm-hmm. starting running back. I mean, I think that that's what... They're hoping for. He obviously did nothing to hurt those chances in the preseason game the other night with his run and catch, and then the seven-yard touchdown run. Now, by the way, let, let me play this tape here right now. We were just talking it. So after reviewing the tape. Man, Nagy, what did you actually? We'll let Larry, Larry Mayer. Well, Larry, I'm gonna put Larry on the beginning. Mike Tice used to say, "Larry, what are you talking about?" Larry, ask your question. Go. You're
2: watching tape of the touchdown run by David Montgomery. What, what were your thoughts on that play? Yeah, it was good. It was okay. You guys were like blown up like it was some great run. It was just average. It was it was good. We you know, jeez, huh? We were talking about Larry. Yeah, he thumped them a little bit. Yeah, I was we were we were, we were liking that, but. Um, man, I pumped him up a little bit the other night, and I got pumped brakes on him a little bit. It was an average run. Look at that. So You know Nagy. what? He, and Matt Nagy knows he started this. Don't start blaming the media for, you know, you guys blew it up. You did. He did it. This guy's got special DNA. He was looking at Jared Payton, and he was going to invoke oh, Walter's right. name. Shut up, Matt Nagy. You started it. You're right. Don't blame the media.
5: You know what? We call you're you. Right. We,
2: you know what? Everybody... BS detector went off. <laughs> you lose. you right. Go to your that, room.
4: I think I think you're absolutely right. But this I think this was a head coach trying to bring a rookie down to size a little bit, saying yeah, well, you know like yeah, I should started it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I didn't even think about the Walter Payton thing and the Jared Payton thing. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So there's his thoughts on that. And then uh, one very important thing today in practice too, Trey Burton. Was back for some stretch and warm up and individual drills, and then he ended up watching the rest of practice from the sidelines. He's missed several practices. Obviously, didn't play an inch in the game the other night. He is um, had, you know, he had the sports hernia surgery in the off season. And the first question that I asked him is, was this a setback?
5: No, it was just uh, just to get back to where I need to be. I was a little sore, um, and just getting back to where you know I felt like I was comfortable. Are you at that point now? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> a lot. It definitely helped me a lot. I didn't have much time before camp to train, and so now I'm you know, kind of mixing a little bit of that in there right, in right now and um, feeling better. So what's the balance because you obviously want to practice as much as you can, yeah. the most importantly, is, like, is that why you kind of, was it hard for you to take this time off? Man, it's been really frustrating. You know, uh, I want to be out there with the guys. Um, I can't stand sitting on the sideline and not playing. And so, uh, it's really, really been frustrating from that standpoint, but I know there's a bigger picture in mind.
1: We know how much Matt maybe and likes to protect and make sure you guys in
5: the preseason are okay. How important is playing time during these upcoming preseason games for you to fully get on, or is that going to come slowly as well? asking like, asking ask time. how important is it for you to be on the field mm-hmm. in the, the next couple of preseason games to start getting all that time? Not important at all. I have played this is my sixth year in the league, so I understand you know kind of what um, goes on and how to make it work so I don't think it's as important as, as a younger guy who hasn't played in the league before
4: yeah so scratch him off the preseason playing time list too we're done with that guy so I don't
3: know what do you guys think of that I think the preseason is meaningless since the coach and the players and nobody really cares about it why do they even have it at this point,
2: because it's a money grab.
3: No, then you, why don't you, they have the eighteen games? They're going to eventually. It's going to happen. They're going to have the eighteen games. We have I don't to get back when. to that.
2: I got a text All about right, go that. Ahead. Somebody's got, no, we'll, we'll get back. No, to that I later. was going to
4: ask you guys what you guys thought about not necessarily him not playing in the preseason. I mean, even no, if not playing healthy. in the postseason was worse.
5: That, that was worse.
4: Definitely. What did you think about what he said? Are You guys cool with the the lingering issues from the the sports hernia surgery? Because everybody's been so worried about Trey Burton and what's going on. And do,
2: do you buy everything? I, yeah, I. You have to trust him. If not, whatever whatever he is, he is. He either plays or does. September fifth, he plays or he doesn't. Yeah, and that's the idea. If he so doesn't, you get there. an answer and make of that what it is. But I, I don't. I don't need to to load my pants or soil them at all. For waiting for you know guessing along the way. Good. He's going to play or he doesn't. And right. the only thing I would ask is that Matt Nagy doesn't stay married to his to a game plan that works around Trey Burton when Trey Burton's not there. You have nobody else who matches what he can do. Change your game plan. That was awful. That was... Part of what happened in that playoff game, it's sticking with that game plan and those plays that were called. They should have had Trey Burton. It looked like Joe Madden refusing to coach the game, manage the game in front of him in Game 7 and just forcing himself to stay with the script and I didn't like that.
4: I think that the, the game plan on September fifth will be Mitch to, centric. I, well it'll be Mitch centric and I think it'll be Allen Robinson centric too. Yay. I really do. I think that there's gonna be a I think there's gonna be a lot of that this year. A lot will I think Robinson's gonna have a thousand yard. Like I just like just watching Bourbon and seeing what they've been trying to do. I think there's I think that Alan Robinson will be featured a ton. On.
2: What about your guy, JF3? Let's get to him before we go. I, Jay, you, I got you, nothing
4: on JF3 today other than his, he's JF3. You know, he's, he's John it? Franklin third. He didn't, uh, Steve, he didn't flash today. You know, I didn't have, I didn't have any great highlights from it. Maybe, maybe I was, you know, trying too hard because of the pressure you put on me in your tweet um, about my guy. He JF3. is your guy. He you is, said he was your guy. Uh, well, you should have seen I him I wanted you have rush. a chance to brag about your he, guy. He was running hard
2: out there. <laughs> he was, man, he was... Well, at least you didn't have Ian Bunting as your guy, because he's going to get a quarterback killed. Well, actually, now that's
4: another thing. Before I go, I will tell you this, that Matt Nagy said that that was not his fault. That that was Chase Daniels' fault.
2: Okay, well, we don't know if the coach is telling the truth. Football coaches lie. Well, They're, they... They made a career. Some of them made no, you're a career right. out of it.
4: You're right, but why would he lie about that? Like he he's gonna put it on Chase Daniel' his, his one of his friends. Like Chase Daniel's a friend of his, not just his backup quarterback. Okay. Like, All right. well then. I mean then it wasn't saying, Ian
2: Bunting's fault. Yeah, that's, that that's Chase Daniel I, died.
4: I, I'll actually send you the tape. You guys might want to <laughs> get that going because no, it's no. it's a it's a good little give and take with Hub Arkish because, yeah, he was Matt was like being real specific and pointed with Hub. So yeah. um Check that out. I'm trying to think if I got anything else. He, did he and, appreciate?
2: Uh, did he appreciate Ron Rivera icing his kicker for him? Did he? Did he comment he did on that talk, at any time? About couple that, days? I
4: I kind of appreciated it
2: though. <laughs> if, yeah, look, Chico doing a solid for his if, former if, organization. If, do you think he was being serious about that? Yes. Like that,
4: he was actually he knew what was. I mean, I know I know he knows what's going on, but do you think he was really doing a solid? Why would he do a solid for the Bears? Because
2: really? he always want to keep your employment options open. Oh, okay. All right. That's yeah. a good point because Pagano. Cause Lovey's, Lovey's not here. He can come back. It's safe. <laughs> that's, that's any any new
3: kickers in camp today?
2: No,
4: no, it's still. <laughs> Kevin Butler uh...
2: showed up with two new hips. <laughs> yeah.
4: Robbie Gold not walking not through much. that door. No. <laughs> no. Unless right. they pull off a blockbuster trade. So. <sighs> okay. All right. Guys, uh, what do you guys got coming up?
2: Uh, we have Melissa Isaacson who wrote a really touching book. Uh, Called state. Whoa, you guys are having a real journalist on. I know. We have. We thought Saturday second was just going to be the usual full gainer into the sewage, (laughs) and now we're really going to have to suck harder because Missy's going to come in here with her graceful storytelling and. And terrific repertorial skills and poignancy. And I mean, yeah, I'm, but I'm your, your questions I'm, will still suck. I'm yeah. teared up on the first page of her book. It's, she played really? on the 1979 Niles West girls' team that won the state title and beat Jackie Joyner's team along the way. And this is it from 1979, here we are in 2019. And she wrote a wonderful book. And so we're having her on, talk about it. Hopefully, we could sell some books for her. Uh, and then we'll get back to sucking. Sully will be on at the top of the hour. He'll here, here talk some Cubs and the, the fact that they're five, six, seven hitters left 100 men on base and went 0 for everything. <laughs> so yeah, we'll get that back to that.
4: All right, guys, have a wonderful Saturday. And...
3: Uh... What's hey, it, one more day down there, Mark?
4: Yeah, tomorrow is it, man. We all graduate tomorrow. I'm actually I'm in my dorm room right now. I've got laundry going on down the hall, so I really feel like I'm in college right now. It is just <laughs> amazing. It really is. I'm going to go get my box of lunch in a little bit soon. Yeah, yeah, you do, do that.
2: You're, you have a great time. And See you guys. The Bourbon A500. Mark Grody? Larry, Larry, goodbye. <laughs> doing his Mike Tice on the way out. And uh, there you go. So we will uh, take a break. We have. Um, You know, we were supposed to have, I I talk about Missy coming up at 1240 and Paul Sullivan at 1, and we'll do Transition with Julie and Maggie at 140, but we tried to schedule another guest for David. So we'll talk about walk-up music, and you you just won't. Missy's already worried about getting kidded about her walk-up music, but your walk-up music, David, was a guest question this week, and it's an anniversary of something else. It's nobody's walk-up music, but it's worthwhile bringing up. So that's what we're going to do, and we'll answer some questions going back to the first hour about if I were the NFL, if I were the NFL Players Association president, what I'd do and why I don't think the NFL players are have ever been strong enough and had enough backbone to walk out and stay out. And Texture offers a legitimate reason why they haven't, and I'll tell you why that's wrong. Rosenblum, Schuster, Saturday, Suckage. We're trying to get it all in. We're trying to get a head of steam before Missy comes in with her professionalism.
1: phone uses over home internet uses during times of congestion.
2: Ah, the show's getting better already. David Schuster's walk-up music as we walk
3: up to David Schuster telling you this. Well, first I'm going to tell you the bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Your Western Conference champion Wolves will open the season Saturday, October 5th. For group and season tickets, visit chicagowolves.com. I don't know if uh, our listeners um, or even yourself, I think you have already seen this. But this headline just really took me. I had to read the story. It says, Cashman, mistaken for thief, stopped at gunpoint. So I'll read the first two paragraphs. Yankee General Manager Brian Cashman says he was stopped in Connecticut and forced from his vehicle at gunpoint by as many as nine police officers as he was leaving a gas station. This was on Friday night. Cashman said... I think he
2: was buying Mark Grody's sunglasses. (laughs)
3: No, those are free. (laughs) Cashman, they always have to put in the age. I don't know why. Cashman, 52 years old, said in an interview with the New York Post that his white Jeep Wrangler had been stolen and returned to him, but that the New York City police had not cleared the vehicle from its stolen car database.
2: So he was driving his own stolen car. Okay, but that's not why you called. We played that walk-up music because David's here. We had wanted to schedule a guest because David found a guy named, I don't know, Nightlife Shack? I don't even know. What's his name? I don't
4: remember his name. No Life Shack. I found it. No No Life
2: life Shack. That's Michael Chen with the correction there. No Life Shack. And it's a video of a guy. David found it because he's a Freebird guy. Nut. Freebird fanatic, which sounds like a mascot, (laughs) and you could be. But this guy... Well, I, I can't. You really have to see the video, but here you can hear part of the video.
1: I gonna tell my girl, I'm out of. Go- <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: gonna do a lyric prank with this song right here, bro. I'm gonna do a lyric prank on my girl with this song, man.
1: I'm gonna say I'm, a, I'm as free as a bird, and you can't change me, baby. I'm gonna, <laughs> bro. That sh- be so funny, bro.
3: I, we should we should explain a little bit. Here, here's I don't know if he's a comedian or rapper. I don't know what this guy is, but I came across he's a guy it. who
2: views himself as someone who reviews music, music and does it on video and it's like he just discovered Freebird.
3: I don't know if he really just discovered it or if this is sort sounded of sounded like they
2: gotta get him on. Whatever.
3: So he's listening to Freebird from Leonard Skinner for the first time and it's blowing his mind so to speak. And
2: like he wants to get him on the show, not knowing that like we wanted to get him on this show. Yes. Um well but Leonard Skinner had a better reason. It's dead. <laughs> This guy was just we don't know. Anyways, it, it apparently the video was done several months ago and then reposted recently right. by Leonard Skinner's Facebook page. Right, and so then it gained new life. And we wanted to get the guy on. Do you do you realize? But somebody reacting to Leonard Skinner from what seventy two seventy three isn't that when Freebird was
3: uh- yeah, probably. Uh, I don't okay. know.
2: I'm not good on years. And he was just knocked over by, I'm freezing my heart, right, baby. Yeah, <laughs> he was really
3: reading into the interpretation of the lyrics, but
2: then the music really blows him away, as it does anybody who loves that kind of music. That's right, and that's perfect for the Wake and Bake show. So 50 years ago today, or no, 50 years ago Thursday, the cover for Abbey Road was shot. That's, that's a thing. Go ahead, look it up, kid. And they're the Beatles. Ask your parents. Um, so that was that. And here is something we had talked about earlier in the first hour about the uh, NFL Players Association and just how I, I just think they're lame. I just think they they're doing a lousy job. We're talking about the NFL wanting to eliminate preseason games because they know it's, it's it's a big money grab, but it's even for, it's embarrassing for the NFL, which is really saying something for those people and what they want are two extra regular season games because there's more money much more and they will add a layer of playoffs and the players are and and the players are saying it's just too much for your body which is a negotiating stance because the players don't believe that for a minute it's a it it better be a negotiating stance and the NFL said okay well we'll play 18 games you only have to play 16 which is really stupid because then this whole team concept is blown up but I said I would make a number of things. Obviously, the NFL players don't have the backbone to stay out for as long as it takes, just like baseball players did, to get what they want to be the stronger union. And a a texter made the point that the reason they don't have the backbone is because of lack of guaranteed money, which means a lockout may result in a loss of money that they're owed. The 708 texter. And I understand that point. But as with all negotiations, everything is negotiable, including... You don't lose guaranteed time. You don't lose guaranteed money. Those contracts stay. That's that's part of coming back and coming to an agreement. So what I had said was I would. I, the first thing I do is get guaranteed contracts and guaranteed seventy-five player rosters. And you stay out for as long as you need to stay out. If you're the NFL players, and your guaranteed money is still going to be guaranteed, your service time will still be guaranteed. That's something you can negotiate. The NFL. Owners want it so badly, so badly. They see all that green. They're as greedy as they're, they're in the top, the 1% of the 1% of greedy people, and they own that, and they just think they're, they're, <clears throat> they're the boss, and you stand up to them because you're the show if you're the players. There's no game without you, and the NFL players have to believe that and then make the owners believe that.
3: Eventually, the actuaries on both sides, the players and the owners, will figure out, you know, is it uh, financially equitable for them to have 18 games if you're the players, for the, player, for the owners to, you know, expand the rosters to 75 and whatever other concessions. The bottom line is my father always told me. The bottom line is the bottom line and eventually both sides will figure it out. Eventually there will be an 18 game schedule. By the way, this segment has been brought to you by Subway. Subway restaurants feature a different 6-inch sub for 379 every day. Subway make it what you want at participating restaurants additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied.
2: We'll take a break. When we come back, Melissa Isaacson, you may have known her from the Chicago Tribune. She uh, teaches at Northwestern. She has written a book. It's called State. You can buy it on Amazon like I did. It's a story of the 1979 Niles West girls' basketball team that won the state title. She's done a terrific job. And I was teary from the first page So I'm glad it has a happy ending, so I'm going to yell at her for making me cry on the first page. Rosenblum and Schuster, Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score.
1: Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with hot buys, your choice of colors starting at just three ninety nine. dollars Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at two fifty. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Tempur Pedic, Purple, and Beauty Rest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required, minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax and delivery. Delivery may be required. See store for details.
2: our guests the choice of walk-up music. David Schuster, for instance, he chooses Freebird. Mark Rody, you heard, chooses Dirty Frank. Our next guest, joining us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. Melissa Isaacson chose Marshall Crenshaw, Someday, Someway. Someday, Someway, a book got written, Melissa. That
0: just brought me so many memories, not of high school, though, but of... My first job in drunken evenings in Cocoa, Florida. So I'm not sure why I picked that, but other than the fact that they were very happy, drunken memories. So yeah,
2: I was that worried. Was I was worried that knowing you wrote a book about being the awkward high school child. Yeah. In the 70s, I was worried we were going to hear Barry Manilow.
0: And you well could have. Yeah. It, I mean, thank, really, it thank was you. just kind of. Yeah.
2: Thank you for a spasm of discipline. I ran into my friend Melissa Isaacson last Sunday while having breakfast with Alta Cockers at a place I won't name because then everybody will go there and we don't want that. And no. she has written this book called State. It is a touching account. It is a thorough account. It is a wonderfully reported, well-told story of a team on which Melissa played, the girls' high school basketball team at Niles West, Winning the 1979 state title, and I was tearing up on page one. It wasn't even page one of the book. It was like the the <laughs> the prologue. Please share with the class why I teared up. Because you're
0: just incredibly just sensitive. Is that? No. Do you think that's enough? That that, was that what you were looking for? Tell no? them
2: what you wrote. What was the nexus okay. of why you yeah, op- well, the way the book I, opens?
0: The book really. The reason I wrote it was the night of our 25th reunion, which was 15 years ago, our our 25th reunion of our state title, Um, and it happened to coincide, sadly, uh, with my parents' final stages of Alzheimer's. They both had Alzheimer's, and so um, my father was uh, with the hospice nurse, and and she was telling me that you need to give patients in the last days sometimes permission to die, so it was a very, very... Sad, obviously, and profound um, way to start a day in which that night I was to go to the high school for a tw- to be honored at halftime of a basketball game for a 25th anniversary, and I was wondering what the hell I was doing. You know, what am I doing going there? And it- and so, what it triggered was was this incredible wash of memories, um, interacting with my parents, and then eventually going that night and having my teammates tell me I have to tell our story. And um, they probably didn't mean wait 15 years for it to come (laughs) out, but they did say, you have to tell our story. And our story is so multi-tiered, so multi level that um, it, it became, through the course of my reporting, I did not know that night really what our story was. And I would learn over the course of my reporting that it was so many things that we didn't know in high school, but that I'd learned as an adult. So it was just an incredible experience kind of, you know, reporting on it and writing it and reliving it.
2: Our guest is Melissa Isaacson. You might know her from the Tribune. You might have taken her writer her journalism boot camp course at Northwestern. She's written a book called State, buy it on Amazon like I did. I wanna get to also part of the prologue was a hysterical exchange with Becky Schnell. So the story behind this, and then you wondered in a very girlish way, as you you've both turned into women, what's the yeah. story behind Becky Schnell? Because I think it's really important to why this story got told.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So the first person I spoke to when I decided to really in earnest start reporting the book was Becky Schnell, who was a 14-year-old freshman when I was a senior and we won the state championship. And, and there's wonderful backstories about, about Becky and moving stories about Becky, but she um, essentially was the one that kind of bumped me out of the regular rotation. I had been a starter every year until my senior year, and Barbot Savas rightfully became a starter. And Becky was a sixth man, and she was terrific. And so I resented her in, on some level because I knew, as did others, that she lived in the Niles East District, not Niles West. So I always sort of wondered, like, well, what the hell, you know, what's going on? Why is she, why is she even at our school? You know, um, in my in my dark days, you know, being mean. So um, I, the first question I asked Becky in that girlish way that you probably mean when we got together was, Becky, was I mean to you?
2: Because <laughs> I love I that question, mean, Missy. I
0: had, I had mean thoughts, and so <laughs> she was like, "Are you kidding? No! Don't you remember how much fun we had and how much we laughed? And and I loved you, and and so." Uh, I was relieved that I was not mean, but then I, uh, you know, immediately jumped on her and said, but what was the deal? You know, how did you, I assumed her father was a teacher in the district, and I assumed he pulled some strings to get her into West, and I had no idea, and she looked at me really solemnly, and I I swear I get chills every time I tell this, because I could picture being with her, and it just, I want to cry almost, and she leaned across the table, and and I kind of leaned over with her, and she goes, "Miss." She goes, "You didn't know." And I said, "No." What? And she said, "Missy, basketball saved me," and that became the jumping-off part of the book, and, and how it saved her um, was what was going on in her house, and there was very good reasons why she ended up at West, and <laughs> and it made me explore deeper the things that I didn't know, which is so much because when you're a, when you're a kid, you're, you're you know by definition, very self-absorbed at that age. And so uh, in discovering sort of that the world was going on around us, and, and I don't know if you guys had parents like me, but my mother was always like, you never know what goes on behind closed doors. Sure. And you weren't supposed to know. You know, the neighbors had things, they were divorced or whatever, and we'd whisper they got divorced, you know. And uh, it wasn't our business. And now, of course, everything's an
2: open book, and, and that just doesn't It's all on, on Twitter, anymore. Missy.
0: I know. It's so on
2: Twitter.
0: So, yeah, so that was, you know, there was stuff going on in all of our houses. I mean, it, you know, alcoholism and mental health and deaths in the family. And, and my thing was my parents were starting to experience early signs of dementia at that age, which is really sad. But I was the youngest kid. My parents were older, and they were, um, and they were both getting, you know, starting to experience what would become full-blown Alzheimer's. And so we all had stuff. And it's how how we dealt with it, and how basketball helped us, and ultimately saved us in many ways, is um, the core and the heart of the book.
3: Hey Melissa, you know, usually any kind of reunions of any sort, whether high school, junior high school, college, they're they're always fun, especially after you haven't seen these people for years and years and years. I'm just wondering, when you've won a championship like you ladies did. What was that reunion like when you got together? I'm sure some of those people you hadn't seen in years and years. And how much was basketball, and how much was it just talking about real life like you just uh, alluded to?
0: Well, I would like to make it sound much more um, profound and serious and and like the good people that we should be talking about, more serious issues. But really, we, um, more often than not, on some of these reunions, did tell the really silly, stupid stories. And also, like hey, if you can't puff out your chest by winning a state championship, I mean, that was a claim to fame for, I would venture to say all of us. Certainly my claim to fame, you know, we will always be state champs. So if you don't think that we, like, brag about each other and, you know, and, and take great pride in that still, you know, pushing 60 years old for the love of God, you know, and you're still state champ and you always will be. So, yes, but um, I imagine this time when we see each other and I've seen some of, you know, the team uh here and there over the last year and certainly badgered them over the last several years. Uh but we're getting together again in the next few months and I think that we will I think there will be a lot of serious stuff. Look, you know, we lost a member of our team. I mean that was a hugely sad moment uh earlier this year. Debbie Derso died suddenly and um and and she was a wonderful, wonderful person and we, for the first time, had a huge group text, the first time ever. And the whole thing was just us telling each other how much we loved each other and how much we meant to each other. And, and that had not ever happened because we don't keep in touch, all of us. It just, life kind of pulls you apart. And it's sad that that's what it took, but that was a really, really profound moment earlier this year.
2: Our guest is Melissa Isaacson. She's written a book called State A Team, A Triumph, A Transformation about her experience and her team's experience winning the 1979 girls basketball title at Niles West. One of the teams, the team they had to beat along the way, had a star named Jackie Joyner. Now, if you read the blurbs inside the book, the bottom of the second page of blurbs is one from Jackie Joyner Kersey. So, how'd you beat Jackie Joyner and was there anything about, was there any story behind getting her to write a blurb about one of the few times she lost something, Melissa? Right, right.
0: Yeah, it's always nice to go to the person and, and bring up the one disappointment, <laughs> the one athletic disappointment she's ever had in her life and, and reminder of it. And there's a few funny stories behind it, but I've interviewed her a few times over the years, um, and the first time was probably 15 years ago. Uh, and I said, you know, with now uh, played for Alice West, and her face dropped, you know. And I said, um, and right away she just became a 16 year old. She's like, the refs were really bad. And it was it wasn't that good officiating uh, game. And I said, oh yeah, well we beat you by 16. I'm sure the refs made a big difference. And pretty soon we're like totally trash talking. You know, we're standing in a park. She was making an appearance. She's one of the kindest, most generous, most philanthropic person there is. And we were both trash talking each other. Then flash forward to me talking to her last fall at a speech she did at Northeastern. And I reminded her that the last time we talked, they almost came to blows. And she said, um, no, no, that's not true. I absolutely, not only did we admire you, what you did in beating us, but it became the biggest motivation of my life. Now, I maybe exaggerating that a little, but I think she said my life. And she said right after that loss, she gave her team a pep talk along the lines, which we took them for granted, and we have no excuse if we don't win it next year. And, indeed, they were undefeated and won the state title in 1980. And so she tells that story about Niles West providing the biggest motivation she's ever had. I like to think the future gold medals, you know, I'll just throw that in there. And she um, was absolutely wonderful, but when we met her, and so then when I did call her and ask her for a blurb, she couldn't have been more gracious and was happy to do it. And, uh, but when we first learned of Jackie Jordan, we knew of her reputation as a great athlete. We didn't know she was an AAU champion, but we kind of knew. But in the layup line, in East St. Louis's layup line, in Champaign, on the, you know, before the state title game, we're all kind of glancing over, sneaking glances, because they were all wonderfully athletic, the starting lineup anyway. And uh, Jackie goes up from this layup and tips it in above the rim, okay? She's maybe 5'10, a girl, let me remind you, at, uh, in high school, 16 years old. We had not seen that before. We, re- I mean, you didn't see 5'10 boys doing that. And so we were, yeah, I mean, our jaws dropped, and, and that was our first introduction to, to Jackie Joyner, who was perhaps the greatest. Woman athlete, one of them in our generation, in Mount Rushmore, right? So that's another thing we like to brag
2: about. There you go, and I'm glad you finally got to wear the boys' gym shorts, Missy. It's really, <laughs> it's really, it's a wonderful story. Um, thanks for coming on. The book is called State: A Team, A Triumph, A Transformation. Melissa Isaacson is the author. It's terrific, and it's available on Amazon. Buy it the way I did, Missy. I wish you good luck with it. Thanks you guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks Melissa. Melissa Isaacson, former former colleague at the Tribune Great writer. and it really yeah, and it's really it's it's more you read this and you you don't have to read but a couple pages to see how it's therapeutic for her and the story she's told the reporting That she did, that she uncovers is really—it's a wonderful read. And this will be a movie. I guarantee you, it will be. Gene Hackman won't be the coach. (laughs) It will be a movie. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to another former Tribune colleague.
3: Can I throw something in be- even before we go to break? Yeah, whatever you want, oh, sure.
2: Now we're back to sucking. Missy raised the level <laughs> here. Now we have to do you know, the full gainer right into the sewage.
3: Well, I'm going back to the first hour when you were very upset with Rick Renteria having Tim Anderson bat seventh. Well, My- I, and I was, I was upset with the reasoning that, okay. Tim Ander- that okay. the manager okay. said the, the player okay. wanted and, to bat seventh. And I told you it was all a bunch of nonsense. Okay. Tonight he's hitting fifth.
2: Well, that means he's going to not be comfortable. And why is he hitting fifth? And why know. does the I, I why do, does the manager say the player was comfortable I, hitting seventh? I, I, I don't know and why, that's he why. he said put that him I, there. I, I'm just telling you that eventually,
3: eventually he will move up to hit where he should be hitting
2: second or third.
3: That's right. what'll happen.
2: And eventually, we will descend to the proper layers of suckage, which we have. We already have we run through stop signs and everything. He Schuster on am and Bloom at Saturday Suckage Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score